evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable, because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) Alrighty, Matt. How you doing? I'm good. Good. So... We had a break last week. Hope everybody was, you know, enjoying yeah. <laughs> themselves on Matt's kids' spring break. Yeah, and spring, spring break, eighteen. Woo! So, <laughs> Matt, Matt had spring break, and I, I took a vacation. Um, I think Matt's spring break wasn't much of a vacation because he had kids, I, and I worked the whole time. Yeah, see, and <laughs> I didn't. You know, I drove back home for a while, uh, which was fun, but. We wanted to let y'all know, keep sending us your your personal stories, your urban legend ideas, and all that stuff. We've been getting some great ones, and we've heard some great stories, and keep sending those. We, yeah. we don't necessarily have a deadline just yet. Um, we'll get there, and we'll post it whenever we figure out when we want to do the episode, but we want to give you guys enough time to send it in so we haven't made a deadline just yet. Right. And don't be too nervous if you think, I don't like my voice or I sound weird. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Matt Just, and I think that about our voices every time yeah, we do this. So. I, yeah, I can't I can't stand to hear my own voice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear it more now than ever. Right. Well, you know, it it's, it's not something you really get used to. No. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, another thing is we're going to start doing a monthly book recommendation on our website because we've had people ask us, you know, quite often, Hey, want a new book to read? What do y'all suggest? And all that. So we want to go ahead and just give y'all a book recommendation. So we're going to start that up this month and every month we're going to give you guys a recommendation to go read this book, check it out whatever so we will post whenever the recommendation goes up on the website we'll post it on facebook and twitter and all that so you guys will know that we have a new recommendation up Um, but we were talking about matt spring break and my trip so i went back home last week to texas and it was ashley's birthday so ashley wanted to go get massage for her birthday so she she got one and i got one and it, I've never had an actual like massage massage. I've had like a sports massage when I went to the chiropractor, you know, when I messed my back up, they did some massages to try to loosen things up yeah. and all that. But I've never had an actual like go to a spa and get myself rubbed on. So this get, get a real angry Swedish woman. Right. Has a thing against men. Yeah. <laughs> Just. So- just wear me out, Selga. So, this was a first for me. So <laughs> I, I go in there and they're like, okay, so what you're going to have to do is go in this room and change and, you know, get in just the robe. So I go get in just the robe and I meet Ashley and the the lady that, I guess, receptionist lady back in the main room. And so this is weird for me. I'm I'm walking around basically what I feel like is a public place with nothing protecting my giblets from the outside world except a robe. And it's this It's a short robe too, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's not it's not a full length robe. This is a robe where if I sit the wrong way, I'll get kicked out of this place. Guaranteed. So I'm sitting there trying to, you know, keep my legs crossed in a polite manner. So that, you know, we everything is kosher still. And we're waiting for uh, the masseuse to come get us. Well, like I said, I've, I've never had one of these. So I didn't, I don't know protocol, anything like that. So they get us into the room and she's, Ashley's got one masseuse and I've got another masseuse. And the whole, the first thing is she's like, okay, so sit here on the edge of the thing. And I'm like, oh, this is awkward because remember the short robe issue. Okay. <laughs> so she goes, I'm, we're, what we do first is we're going to wash your feet. So they wash everybody's feet. So picture me sitting in this tiny robe and I'm, I'm six foot two and 
all of these robes are going to be short on me. So this, you know, this is just awkward. Um, and she's bent down there washing my feet while I'm trying to keep giblets covered, you know. And so then she's like, okay, so we're going to leave the room and you guys take your robes off, put them on the door, get under this uh, sheet and we'll be right back in. So we do that. And bear in mind the the masseuse I've got, she's maybe five foot five at the most, you know, like a buck 20 maybe. And so I'm thinking I requested the deep tissue massage because I'm like, I got some crap going on in my shoulders. I really need to get, you know, get deep in there and rub this, rub this out. So I'm thinking, oh, this is, it's going to be nothing. Right. Yeah, she made you vomit. Did Just you? about. <laughs> so, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm laying there and she starts on it, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. And then she just bears down and I'm keeping a calm external appearance because I've got to save face, you know, but on the inside, I'm going ah! just the whole time. It was ridiculous, you know. Because it hurt so bad. <laughs> and then she gets her elbow in on it. Oh, yeah. And she's going down the shoulder blade with her elbow. And I'm I'm fighting back tears, you know. So she gets done with that. And I'm like, oh, thank God, you know. Well, she moves down to my legs now. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, this can't hurt that bad. Wrong. She does the same thing. Bears down with that elbow, right? So, again, up and down the thigh muscle with that elbow and I'm I'm just it I mean it's excruciating. And then she moves up to the butt cheek with the elbow. And I don't know if you've ever had an elbow <laughs> in your butt cheek, but I don't know what kind of man this 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 right here is just it's killing me. Not <laughs> make a bunch of inappropriate yeah. jokes. PG thirteen, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do an after show where you say all these jokes. Oh man! Uh, but she <laughs> slams her elbow down into my butt cheek and the hip bone, and I mean it just like pops. And oh man! So she gets done with all of it, and you know I'm very thankful that it's over with. And it was difficult to stand up. And I thought I would, you know, survived it fine until the next day. I get up the next day and my whole arm and everything. It, I mean, it felt like I was in a heavyweight boxing match. Yeah, felt like you'd been beat up. Yeah, I just got the snot knocked out of me several times by a five foot five buck 20 chick that just brutalized me. Yeah. And apparently... That's why you don't get a deep tissue massage. Right. As a listener tip, if you've never gotten a massage, don't ask for the deep tissue. Any look, I'm I know about this stuff. Right. It's bad news if you don't know what you're in for. Yep. I could have used that tip prior. Adam to this. didn't ask. No, I didn't. And I didn't know. I didn't. I'd have told him. I should have. I, you know, <laughs> knowing what you do for a living, I should have really asked you. Said, yeah, you you go you you walk out cripple. Oh yeah, I I thought I was gonna be, but it was it was <laughs> That's gnarly, what I man. Said to make you vomit because yeah. I know. Oh, dude, yeah, uh, it was close, man. But so take it from me, if it's your first massage thing, get the relaxing massage or yeah. the normal massage. Yeah. Don't, Start there. Don't be stupid and go, well, you know what? I can take this. This will be fine. I, I got me some knots, but I'm a I'm a big strong man. No, you're not. It's you're like gonna saying, cry. It's like saying, I know I can take I can take it if you just punch me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've probably said that before in my past. So I'm I'm not the brightest guy when it comes to pain. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a high pain threshold, but there comes a point <laughs> when there look, you know. There's only it's so much rough, you can take. Man. So to to keep from expanding on my woes and telling you about <laughs> how my butt cheek still hurts from this and has a big elbow shaped bruise on it, why don't we move into our potty break promos and we'll go ahead and hear from Project Archivist and Double Density.
Project Archivist is a podcast that talks about the science of tomorrow, the lost history of our past, spirituality, and the paranormal. Join us as your hosts Rojan and Lobo take a different look at the world around us through discussion and guest interviews. Find us on iTunes or visit us in the archives at www.projectarchivist.com. From Apple products to Zelda games, and from aliens to zombies, we are Double Density. Tech Tales and Paranormal Primers with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. New episodes every Wednesday. DoubleDensity.net All right, and we're back. So, Matt. What are we talking about this week? Okay, tonight we are going to discuss Chillingham Castle, which I honestly can't think of a better name for a haunted castle than Chillingham, Chillingham, if you're you're American and Southern. It's old Chillingham. (laughs) I like me some Chillinghams. They they taste him, boy. Chillinghams. So, Chillingham Castle uh, is in Northumberland, England, just south of the uh, the border between England and Scotland, and it's got quite a bit of activity going on yes, over there. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. And uh, I know a lot of our uh, our uh, listeners over in the UK have wanted us to uh, to touch on some UK topics. Right. So here you go. Right, and we're touching on one of what is touted as one of the most haunted castles over in that area, yeah. actually. Yeah, so. isn't it funny how everything we, it's like, this is the most haunted. Yep. This is the most haunted place in the U.S. This is the most haunted place in Wisconsin. Yeah, it seems like everywhere, <laughs> everywhere is, you look up, it's like, oh man, this is the most haunted place in backwoods Alabama. Yeah, you know? this is the most haunted place 500 yards from a 7-Eleven. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's most haunted about something, right? I mean, but true. Uh, but seriously, uh, Chillingham Castle is is one is considered one of the most haunted places in mm-hmm. Europe, and uh, and it's pretty cool, and it's uh, it's kind of scary, and when we go over some of the history of this place, you're gonna understand why, right? Because <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of places we cover that the history is scarier than the actual ghost oh, I know. stories I know. but this one is i was thinking that reading some of these things i'm like man i'd, I'd deal with the ghost before i dealt with that <laughs> i mean this is but you know we're we're essentially talking about the bulk of the history of the castle coming from you know medieval england and there was a lot of bad stuff you know in those times and it just, you know, yep. it, it it really just kind of says, hey, you know, this is terrible. And I bet uh, 300 years from now, there's going to be some ghosts creeping oh, yeah. around this place because of all this. It's an old, old castle. Yeah. And like Matt was saying, in in that, that time frame that it's been around, it has racked up some bad juju. Oh, yeah. That's going to hold, you know, like we've talked before, that, that stone tape thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to have that because because there is some serious stone right here, right? And and B, there's been some serious stuff go down. Okay, so um, like I said, Chillingham Castle is in Northumberland, England. Uh, it's close to the border between England and Scotland, and it's named for the village that's located nearby because of this strategic position being right there at the border. Chillingham Castle was a defensive stronghold uh, during many of the the bloody border feuds between the between England and Scotland. It was built in the 12th century, and Chillingham was originally constructed to be a monastery, uh, often serving as a way station for kings traveling to battle against the rival Scottish armies. And since 1246, the infamous castle has been owned by the same continuous bloodline. Not all of them were very nice. 
like we said, um, it was the distinguished Gray family. And this is the Gray family of Earl Gray tea fame. It's actually my favorite hot tea. Yeah, mine too. Uh, who scooped up the surrounding forest and palace, and while renovating the massive building, added a dungeon and a torture chamber. My favorite part of the whole history (laughs) revolves around the torture chamber. Yeah, I think this is the first torture chamber we've discussed on this show. It really is. I'm really excited to talk about it later. I know that sounds sadistic, but dang it, that was fun. Uh, You know... these people got really creative. Yeah. You know, you talk about stuff like, you know, waterboarding and things like that. You're like, whatever. Yeah. Man, these people, these people would have looked at waterboarding and been like, what are you doing? Yeah, you let pansy. Me, let me show you how this is done. Right. And we'll actually talk about quite a few of the That's things. Right. That, so <laughs> just hold on to your hat. <laughs> so the. The castle occupied a strategically important location in medieval times. It was located on the border between two feuding nations. It was used as a staging post for English armies entering Scotland, but was also repeatedly attacked and besieged by Scottish armies and raiding parties heading south. The site contained a moat, and in some locations, the fortifications were 12 feet or 3.7 meters thick. Dang. 12 feet. That's that's more than a basketball goal thick. Yeah, that's crazy. So try busting through that. It's it's going to take a minute. So in 1298, King Edward I, who is also Edward Longshanks, stayed at the castle on his way to battle a Scottish army led by none other than William Wallace of the Braveheart movie fame. That was a good movie. Yeah, it was a great movie. And... Actually, I'm going to break into Matt's history here because I I got a few interesting little facts about the Braveheart movie. Hollywood history moment. Yeah, I wish I had some kind of like (laughs) sound effect to put in there or something. Well, you do. I just did it. Oh, we'll do it again. Hollywood history moment. And here we are with the (laughs) Hollywood history moment brought to you by Adam and Matt. So the first fact that I've got is, believe it or not... There's actually no historical mention of the Scottish mooning the English during any battle. Believe it or not. I mean, I know that's hard to believe, but it's... I can't can't believe it. It's hard to believe that Mel Gibson would lie to you about mooning, but he did. (laughs) So another one is that blue body paint that the Scots wear during the battles. That actually hadn't been worn in Scotland during battles for 800 years prior to when these battles were depicted. So they were pulling from, you know, 800 years prior. And I guess it just, well, it looked cool. So Yeah, it looks good on a movie. It really does. So another thing is 40 of William Wallace's descendants were actually used in the film, and they were used to stand around Mel during the opening scenes of all the battles. So a lot of the people that are standing around Mel that are in the Scottish army are actually descendants of William Wallace, which is pretty cool. Um, Also kilts would not have been worn in battle in the 13th and 14th century. This is something that would have happened four centuries later. So they were four centuries too early. And one historian said that would be a lot like taking colonial American soldiers and putting them in modern day business suits. Yeah. So a little out of touch with the time, but there again, it looks good on a movie. That's so. right. That's right. And, you know, just, just touch on this. William Wallace, if you've done any reading about the real William Wallace, he was a bad dude. Yeah. I mean, he did he did a lot of bad stuff. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, it's medieval England. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Scotland, people did a lot of bad stuff. A lot of people did bad stuff, you know. They hated one another, you know, killing women and children and mm-hmm. burning bodies and all this kind of stuff and ripping people to shreds, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. These but, people aren't even people to me because they're English. Right. Or they're Scottish right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's nuts. It ain't nothing like the movie, I promise. Go read some. Yeah, right. Okay. So in 1344, King Edward III ordered battlements to be built around Chillingham Castle, effectively 
turning the castle into a defensive stronghold for England. So as we said, where it sits, it was a prime spot, you know, for defense and a place for the, you know, the Scottish to attack. And, you know, you, you take over a border castle like that. You, you've got some leverage there. So, you know, where it's situated, it, it's really, really important. And so it was hundreds of years. I mean, this went back and forth and back and forth. But in 1617, James I, the first king of both England and Scotland, stayed at the castle on a journey between the two kingdoms. As relations between the two countries became peaceful following the union of the crowns, the need for a military stronghold in the area declined. The castle was gradually transformed. The moat was filled in, and the battlements were converted into residential wings. A banquet hall and a library were built. So, like I said, over a course of about 300 years, the fighting went on and on and on, and eventually they were like, yeah, well, England won. And we're all happy and friends now, but we've got this big defensive castle right here that's had all this, you know, bloodshed and everything around it. And we're, we're going to make it more like a, like a 1600 era hotel. You know, we'll put in a banquet hall, we'll put in a library, you know, we're going to, we're going to nice it up a little bit. Spruce the place up a bit. Yeah. In the 18th and 19th century, the grounds underwent landscaping, uh, that was work that was carried out by Sir Jeffrey Wyattville. The, the once extensive park that surrounds the, the castle there uh, is not, now it's under separate ownership from the castle. It's home to the famous Chillingham Wild Cattle, which are a unique breed of cattle that live within a closed park near the castle. And some of the research I've done on the cattle, which this is complete, this is a tangent, but it's cool. This is the only. This is the only herd of these particular cattle anywhere in the world. That's cool. Yeah, they're a little bit smaller. They look a little. They look kind of like a cross between a cow and a yak mm-hmm. from the pictures that I've seen. Um, but pretty neat. But they're there too, and they're they're part of the tour. If you make it over there now, you get to go see the the cattle. Oh, right on. Yeah, they're not haunted cattle. Well, they're just they're just quiet. cattle. <laughs> no ghost cattle. During the Second War- World War, that's hard to say. Oh yeah. During the Second World War. I used to think it was World War. war the World War? Yeah. You know, World War II? Yeah. Back when I was like five. It was like, World War II and World War One. <laughs> Sorry. That makes sense because I'm, now I'm beginning to think that I thought that too. See? And you I, probably did. It just, it just came to my conscious now. <laughs> but during World War II, the castle was used as army barracks. And during this time... Much of the decorative wood was said to have been stripped out and burned by the soldiers that were staying there. After the war, the castle began to fall into disrepair. Lead had been removed from the roof, resulting in extensive weather damage to large parts of the building. So in 1982, the castle was purchased by Sir Humphrey Wakefield, second baronet, whose wife Catherine is a descendant from the Greys of Chillingham. Like we said, Castle's been in the same bloodline for 800 years. Wakefield said about the painstaking restoration of this castle. And section of the castles are open to the public and holiday apartments are available for rent. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That- I mean, what else are you going to do with a big old 800-year-old castle? Well, I know, know what I would nowadays. do. I would fortify it again yeah. and keep people out. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would start digging that moat. Right. The moat would be dug again. I would get uh armed battlements to keep people out. Yeah, I would, why not? I would put a room up just for podcasting, of course. Yeah. We'd the graveyard would be moved to that. And it would be guarded with knights in armor. I would hire my own uh knight army. Yeah. Knight, why not? Knight ships sure. stuff, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, and I get it. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would do with it. I wouldn't invite people in. I mean, you know, I'd push people out. It's what a castle's for. Yeah. I want a moat monster. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Remember that big big frog in that Scooby-Doo yeah. episode? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the moat monster. You could go, uh, <laughs> if you had the money to buy a castle, you'd probably have the money to go like capture Nessie or Ogopogo or something and yeah. put them in this moat. Or just get a big frog. Yeah, that get works too. Get one of those too. Pac-Man frogs. Yeah. 
That'd work. Yeah, put it in there. Hey, there you go. So Chillingham has, because it's big castle and it's cool looking and all that stuff, it's been in a few like TV appearances and movies. And we've got a short little list of what all it's been in. Um, it's been in an episode of Most Haunted, which I won't get into how I feel about Most Haunted. Take it with a grain of salt. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's been in an episode of Ghost Hunters International, uh, The Making of Harry Potter, the film Elizabeth. It was in three episodes of I'm Famous and Frightened. I don't know that show, but apparently they're famous people and it's they where, get scared. It's where D-list celebrities go and they try to scare them. There you go. There you go. All right. I know what it is now. Don't need to watch it. Um, and it was also in a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode. So I guess BuzzFeed is bigger than I thought they were. Oh, they're huge. But that's kind of cool, I guess. So now we get into my favorite part of Chillingham. This is talking about some of that stuff we were mentioning earlier and teasing to. Yeah. This is exciting to me. As Matt mentioned, Chillingham Castle was hell on earth, really, for many years. And many of the souls that lost their lives violently and traumatically there seemed to continue to play out their final moments over and over and over again. And it seems that the castle itself kind of acts as a massive trigger object. And it links the ghosts of everyone dead from the past to the future and the present and forces us to remember a lot of the atrocities that happened there. Um, again, that stone tape theory that keeps bringing it back and replaying it over and over again. As Matt said earlier, it's widely regarded as one of the most haunted places in the country. And there have been hundreds of paranormal events that have been recorded there. It's just, I mean, it's a brutal place. Just used to be yeah. a brutal place. Not not anymore because they've got like B&B &B stuff there. You can go have eggs in the dining hall and don't have to worry about anything, but maybe a ghost coming and messing with you. Yeah. But we get to the dungeon first. And you always want to start with the dungeon. When you're yeah, talking always. about haunted castles, you start with the dungeon. It goes without saying. Right. So it's a very small room, and on the walls in the mortar are markings that were scratched there by prisoners who were keeping track of how many days they had left to live. The prisoners that were there could have expected to have had their arms and legs broken before being thrown 20 foot down a hole into the oubliette. And the oubliette is just basically the dungeon, the yeah. torture area. A 20 foot drop. Think and about and that. you've already been tortured. Yep. You've already had your arms and legs broken, and now you're thrown 20 feet. Yeah. So wonder that didn't, it, it probably killed most of them. Probably did, or, or at least, you know, set you on a path for a quick death. Most that were just left there to die. You know, they, that was their final place. They were thrown down and left to die. And they were either going to die of starvation or of their injuries, as we said, from being thrown down there. Sometimes the prisoners would start to eat chunks of flesh from others who have died or others who may still be alive um, and even eat flesh from their own bodies in a vain attempt to prolong their life. Now, it's been reported that if you look through the gate that covers the oubliette now, you can see the remains of a young girl looking back up at you. These are the remains of the last person to be killed here. Many people have experienced things here. Orbs have been seen and photographed. And some people have actually picked up emotions from the room. It's said to have a very depressing feeling. It's a dungeon. Duh. Yeah. You know, dungeon. It's going to be depressing. You know, it, whether ghost or not, it's going to feel depressing in there. You know. And, you know, I'm sure all of y'all have felt this. If you've ever been to a funeral home, you know, they, they try their best to make you feel welcome and cared for and everything. But you just knowing what's there, you know, knowing the emotion that's there, you can't help. Even if you don't know anybody else right. that's there, you feel those emotions, right. you know, because you understand what what takes place there, you know, what what happens there. And, you know, humans absorb those emotions. So here you are on a tour. You go into this place and you're looking at what's there. 
and you're being told stories of some of the, as Adam said earlier, atrocities that happen to people in this dungeon. You know, if if you don't feel some type of emotion, right, you just cold hearted. No kidding. Man, I mean, there's people that you know that they were tortured simply because they were there. Right. Yeah, that's it. Right. Now, next up, we've got the torture chamber. Nearly all of the torture implements that are in the torture chamber are still in perfect working order. So you could take them out now and torture whoever you wanted to with them. And the floor of the torture chamber is built on a slope. And this slope is there so that blood could drain away and down to one side of the room. So during the torturing, you wouldn't have to worry about blood pooling under your feet. It would just roll away to the other side of the room. Nice. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It is. It is, right? Even in a torture chamber. (laughs) So for thousands of Scots, this would have been the last place they ever saw. The torturer at this castle, his name was John Sage. And he actually became somewhat of a celebrity in his day. Before he was a torturer, he was one of King Edward's best men in the battlefield. He had worked his way up the, the ranks to lieutenant. Now, Sage was injured one day in battle, and his leg was wounded, and he couldn't fight anymore. So Sage begged Longshanks to keep him on in some capacity. So Longshanks gave him the title of castle torturer. Now, Sage was a, a brutal man, and he hated the Scots with a passion. So he reveled in the role and just, I mean, he took it, took it so seriously that he even devised some new torture implements that he would use. There's a boiling pot, there's gadgets for gouging eyes out, and there's a barrel full of spikes that a prisoner would have been tied in and then it would have been rolled until all of the flesh was ripped from the body and they would have died in agony. There are cages that would have been attached to a prisoner's stomach and a starved rat would be put inside this cage. And the only way out was for the rat to eat his way through the victim. So, yeah, just a brutal, slow, slow, agonizing death. Some of the things the prisoners would have endured at the hands of Sage are just unimaginable. Sage tortured upwards of 50 people a week for three years that he held this job. Yeah, like 7,500 people. Yeah, it's a ton of people. And the guide that actually takes you through this torture chamber, he says he never goes down into there alone because he has felt a malevolent presence there on more than one occasion that a lot of people attribute to John Sage. As the war was coming to an end with the Scots, Sage wanted to get rid of the Scottish prisoners that were being held in the castle. So he rounded up the men and women and the older children and took them to the courtyard and put them all on a huge bonfire. The younger children were kept in the Edward room and could probably see their parents burning alive. They would have also heard the screams and would be able to smell the burning flesh. So we told you John Sage was a brutal man. Bad dude. But he ain't, you know, at least he didn't burn the children. Just wait. Just (laughs) wait. I knew as it was coming. (laughs) So Sage knew that if he released these younger children, they'd return one day when they got older and seek revenge for him killing their parents and brothers and sisters. And he's probably right. So what he did is he took a small axe and he went into the Edward room and hacked the children, some as young as one year old, to pieces. Now, the axe can actually still be seen today on the stairwell. And the Edward room is one of the most active rooms in the castle, and people often say they see the chandelier that's hanging from the ceiling swinging without someone actually moving it. Yeah. The room has a foul smell and just a strange atmosphere. So the foul smell could be memories of the smell that wafted through there that day. Now, in the torture chamber, there's a rack, a torture rack. And this device actually proved to be John Sage's undoing. 
because he had a girlfriend named Elizabeth Charlton, and one night they were having sex on this rack when Sage started to strangle Elizabeth to heighten sexual pleasure. Unfortunately, his dumb butt took it too far and killed her. So Elizabeth's father was a member of the Border Reavers. It was a group of tribal leaders, broken men, and outlaws, and they were known to not be messed with. So, of course, they wanted Sage killed. So the Border Reavers were very powerful, and they commanded a a vast, highly skilled and experienced fighting force. And it said that the Reavers met with Edward Longshanks and instructed him that if he did not have Sage killed, they would join forces with the Scots and launch an assault on Chillingham Castle. So the Scots would probably have won due to their experience in battle. So Longshanks was virtually penniless due to the war against the Scots. So he was forced to call for Sage to be hung. Sage was captured and hung in front of an enormous crowd. As he hung, the crowd started to take souvenirs, cutting off Sage's toes, fingers, testicles, and nose while he was still alive. It's not known how long Sage hung there, mutilated before he actually died, but the ghost of Sage has been seen wandering the castle by many of the visitors and staff, and others claim to have heard footsteps followed by the sound of someone dragging something. Yeah, I think it's funny that, because I read a lot of stories about where they would hang people and then take them down, and they'd still be alive, and they'd cut out their entrails and things like that right in front of them. And all I could think was, man, you guys are hanging people wrong. Right. Yeah, if it doesn't happen <laughs> you know, quick, you're doing like, it wrong. You know, normally when I think of somebody being hanged, they're like dead. Right. You know? And I'm like, what are y'all doing that's keeping these people alive hanging from this rope? I I think you Yeah, well, I mean missed, you've missed it somewhere. If you think about it in maybe from their point of view, maybe that was hanging them right. But maybe, you know, maybe they were planned. Right. To it, make it slow. Right. It was a, yeah. a slow torturous thing rather than a quick death. Yeah. One never knows, and I don't really want to know. You know, that's one of those things best left to history that I don't dig too deep into. Now, the Great Hall, it leads into the chapel and the minstrel galleries. The Great Hall is a long room with lots of artifacts on the wall. There's a life-size statue of a horseman on his horse, and there's a huge stuffed elephant's head with chainmail elephant armor on it. There's also a tapestry with a skull beneath it. People have experienced a lot of strange things near that tapestry. It, cold spots, noises that are heard, and from the courtyard, figures are often seen passing the windows of the Great Hall when there's no one actually in there. The skull that's in there is also known to move around the room, but it never leaves that room. I mean, is this the elephant skull? No, this is just a separate, like, human skull that oh. sits below the tapestry. That, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... How in the world does this head move around? It's a, it's either an elephant ghost or it's a big old strong ghost. Yeah. Now, it's uh, the human skull that sits there next to the tapestry, and it okay. supposedly moves around the room. I got you. Now, the minstrel gall- galleries sorry, that we mentioned is a balcony that is overlooking what is now known as the tea room. People have been pushed down the stairs there, and while on the balcony... People often suffer from terrible headaches and or an awful feeling of nausea to the point where they feel like throwing themselves over the top and down onto the concrete floor below. I've never had a headache or nausea that bad. Yeah, never been that sick. Where I wanted to throw myself off a balcony. (laughs) Oh, this headache's so bad. Let's just end it all. (laughs) What? Wait. Not that bad. Um, Well, there was no Excedrin. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, there's a story that when the tea room was being excavated, a giant toad-like creature came through a wall before taking the form of a human and then disappearing. It is said that it now haunts the castle. It's my moat monster. See, there you go. He's built into the wall. They just released him, though, so now he's haunting the castle. Now, the chapel is where people would go to pray to their God before they went out to kill and torture Scots. So kind of a room of hypocrisy, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
on the wall are flags that would have been taken into battle and a huge sword, a spirit bell, crucifixes, paintings of Mary, the mother of God. And the chapel was recently excavated uh, and relics and human bones were found under the floorboards. Cameras are said to often refuse to work in this room. Digital cameras sometimes have their batteries drained of power. Other groups, the cameras, when they did work, would pick up anomalies. Um, Several cold spots have been felt. There have actually been confirmations of the cold spots with people having thermometers there that would actually record a drop in temperature as they were standing there. So pretty interesting when you can get validation of a temperature swing in a room because mm-hmm. often it's just felt and it's never recorded, but there right. are some validations of it. Mm-hmm. Now the Edward room, as we had mentioned, it's also known as the killing room. Uh, it's on the top floor of the castle and all the way around the top of the room runs a balcony in the room is a suit of armor holding a two handed sword on the wall, hang weapons such as swords and pikes. There's a helmet, There's lots of cow horns and flags. On display are documents that were found walled up with a boy in the pink room, which is now actually closed to the public. Now, the boy in the pink room is one of the, I guess, most well-known ghosts. Probably the the most well-known ghost of of Chillingham. Right. And he is known as the blue boy or... The Radiant Boy. He said it, it said that he found some documents that were to be given to the Spanish from the aristocrat who owned the castle at the time to help them defeat the English during the time of the Spanish Armada. The boy was walled up alive with the documents. His body was found in the 1920s along with some blue cloth from his clothes, hence why they call him the Blue Boy. The bones of his fingers were worn away from where he had been trying to scratch his way out. Now, it's been reported that when the hour of midnight sounds, sometimes you can hear his cries of agony and fear. The center of the cries always emanate from the pink room. The noises are usually traced to a spot near a passage cut through a 10-foot wall. When the whales die away, a bright halo of light sometimes appears around the old four-poster bed. Anybody sleeping in the bed would see the figure of a young boy dressed in blue and surrounded by light, and he would be gently approaching them. He's, like we said, he's the most famous ghost to roam the castle, and he also seems to be the friendliest toward the public. So another famous ghost is that of Lady Mary Berkeley. She was wife of Lord Grey of Wark and Chillingham. The ghost wanders the corridors of the castle, looking for her wayward husband who ran away with Mary's own sister. Lady Mary was left in the castle alone with her baby girl as a companion, heartbroken. Visitors have often heard the rustle of old-fashioned dresses, or a chill as if the ghost of Lady Mary has walked past. Yeah, and there is after, now, after Lady Mary's death, which was reportedly suicide just due to severe depression from the loss of her husband, they put a portrait of her in the nursery. Now, some of the Gray family children said that one night while their nurse was getting them ready for bed, they all saw the ghost of Lady Berkeley stepping out of the portrait and following them around the castle. And they say, maybe she's still looking for Lord Grey. Possible. Yeah. And so this this is kind of a, a regular story, not just with Lady Berkeley, but there's other stories of unnamed spirits that emerge from the portraits there. Could all be the same story. It could be different ones. I mean, you know. It, it, it is a routine story that people have experienced seeing, you know, the the emergence of, of a spirit coming from one of these portraits. To me, that's kind of a really interesting one because you've got something that I guess it, it's like it is like a photograph of them then. 
Yeah. So it's holding their likeness. It's holding the memory. And it's something that the ghost can relate to because it's a picture of them. Yeah. So they're going to hang around it. And something that seems to come out of this, like that painting is coming alive, is really kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's there. there's something about pictures and portraits. Um, you know, Native Americans don't like their photograph being taken because right. they believe that it, it traps part of your soul mm-hmm. inside the photograph. So that that's not something that is just completely uh, exclusive to Native American right. lore and culture. Um, you know, the idea that if you had a child and they, they died at birth or shortly after birth, they would paint a portrait of the dead child and it was a way to, to keep them, you know, to make sure that they were remembered and that they mm-hmm. were, they were still a part of the family. They right. weren't forgotten. So, you know, having a portrait of somebody that had experienced a loss, but had been a, you know, a member of this family and, and a resident of this castle, um, you know, maybe part of her soul is, trapped inside that that portrait you know Mm -hmm. maybe that that's where her energy comes from is a likeness of herself being on the wall in the nursery where she had cared for her own child you know waiting for her husband to return right i mean that's a lot of energy there oh for sure you know so um you know it's 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 just it's it's a good idea it's a it's a an interesting story um you know about what what those gray children could have seen that night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure you, you live in a castle like this. You could, you could drum up all kinds of thoughts of, Oh gosh, I just saw this, or I just saw that, or I feel it cold right here. It's a castle, right? You know, it's probably going to be cold in spots and not in the others, but to come up with uh, the idea that a spirit of lady Berkeley emerged from the portrait of her, right? Eh, it's not something you could just, so yeah, yeah, well, it's just a cold spot. Swamp gas. Yeah, <laughs> swamp gas. Explanation for everything. Yeah. Um, but while we're talking about Lady Ghost, um, I know you've got another story about a Lady Ghost. Yeah. This is uh, sometimes, it's called the Lady in the White Pantry or sometimes called the Thirsty Ghost or the Thirsty Lady. When I heard you first say that, I didn't think you were going to say pantry. It rhymes with pantry. <laughs> The lady in the white uh-huh. pantry. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The lady in white in the pantry. There you go. Yeah, there you go. She got in the flower. <laughs> and so now it's um, a thirsty ghost once uh, asked a foot or, or chased a footman guarding the family silver in the white pantry. The unfortunate man was accosted by a wispy lady in white begging for a drink of water. As he turned to obey her wishes, he suddenly recalled that the pantry was locked to protect the silver. Right. And that it should have been impossible for anyone to gain entry. On turning back to her, he found that she had vanished. And it's been suggested that the lady could have been the victim of poisoning, hence her search for water. So, there you go. Either that (laughs) or, you know, just being a ghost, you'll get famished. Yeah, I found that one and thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, well, you know, I've not heard of any thirsty ghosts. Right. But yeah, that's a sense. first for me. And, and another thing, uh, um, I had found just a, a little brief mention. There is a lake uh, on the castle grounds, and it's very pretty. It's full of fish, and it's a home for otters and other wildlife. But at night... It gives off a different feeling. In the deep, dark depths. Wow. Try saying that three times fast. Right. In the deep, dark depths of the lake lie the remains of thousands of Scots. Killed during the war with the English, the bodies would be bundled onto a cart and then thrown into the lake. The water is rumored to be cursed. And if you put your hand into the water, the souls of the dead will pull you to your watery grave. 
Yeah, you know that's got to be a haunted place if there's that many <laughs> bodies down there. That Now, I got to say, that one sounds like just a really cool story that somebody came up with to tell little kids to keep them out of the lake. That's very However, true. However, it is true that those bodies were dumped in that lake. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they have verified that through history, that that's what they did. They just dumped them in there. Yeah, I mean, why yeah. not? Yeah. I mean, out of sight, out of mind. water pollution then. Yeah. They just said, oh, yeah, well, we'll dump them here. So that is true. Um, you know, that's really the only story I found about the lake. But, you know, again, you know, you, you're in this, you're in this castle, you're on this, this land. I mean, it just, it, it just really gets those creative juices flowing going, I bet that lake has some pretty creepy stuff down in the bottom of it that'll reach up and just pull you right down with it. So you don't need to go swimming in that lake. Right. I mean, that would keep me out of it as a kid. Well, yeah. You know. Well, heck, I didn't even want to go swimming after I saw Jaws when I was a kid. Right. So. Right. And, you know, I'm in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I'm like in a Mr. Turtle pool. Yeah. You know, it's like an inch and a half of water. And I'm like looking out for sharks. <laughs> hey, man. Some of those sharks. Um, you've seen Sharknado? Sharks can get in some weird places, man. Uh, they come up through the grass. And you remember Land Shark? It could have been a Land Shark. Yeah. Plumber, mm. ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the last things we got for you is during restoration work in the 19th century, workmen actually uncovered two, quote, grinning skeletons. The How bones, does a skeleton grin? I don't know. I've wondered that, too. And this is a slight tangent. But as you know, I collect skulls, not humans. It's animals and all that stuff. But I do collect like little plastic, I guess, fake human skulls and stuff and used to around halloween you could go get like these realistic looking skulls and they were scary and all that stuff now i go out looking for skulls and you get them that are grinning smiling or they're making that face you know Mm -hmm. i'm sorry but bones don't do that yeah no so i don't want a fake skeleton that has this you know malicious grin on its face or has that ooh face going or something like that. That's not legit, you know. And also, they do these, like, purple sparkly skulls. I hate that, too. But anyway, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sparkly skulls. Oh, that's not so scary. When I, go, when I go through the Halloween store, all the, the, the little free-hanging skeletons, mm-hmm. after I leave, they're flipping everybody off. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> I'm going to go to stores with you more often. Because we could, we could make that a little more graphic if you wanted to. We could... <laughs> Now, now, you see, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get arrested for making a, a skeleton in a Halloween store flip a bird, but something else. Yeah, that's that's valid. Well, I take it back. I've I've done I've done more than that. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> anyway, these before Matt reveals too much. Uh, these two grinning skeletons. They it was the bones of a man and a child, and they were close to a trap door that opens to the stone arches of the underground vaults. And it's possible that they hid there during a border reaver attack and they were trapped in their safe place. Workmen also discovered in the lower dungeons of the castle the perfectly preserved figure of a man sitting in a chair. Unfortunately, as soon as air rushed in, the body crumbled. So there's been a lot of bodies that have been encapsulated in the walls or the floors or something of this castle over the years, along with all the, the torture and the, the murders and everything. So there's no doubt in my mind that there is craziness happening here to this day. Yeah. I mean, a location that has, it's that old and has that much history. You just, you got to think, man, there's, there's ghost in here somewhere. Oh yeah. You know, like there's, there, there's energy there. And that, that, that's something that Adam and I talk a lot about, you know, age and, and time along with war and death. And in this case, torture and horrific things done to human beings, it just leaves a lasting impression. Oh, for sure. You know, that, you know, I've not been there. 
if we've got any listeners that have actually been there, I'd love to hear how it feels when you get oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there was a, there's the old General Hospital in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Okay, it kind of had a, a castly appearance, and I can remember as a kid seeing it and just getting a feeling from it. Right. Just like, God, that place looks really creepy. And I, I can only imagine that that is a similar feeling you get when you approach somewhere like Chillingham Castle. Mm-hmm. It just, just seeing seeing something of that of that size and of that age, and you know when when you live in the U.S., you you really don't see a lot of castles no. other than in pictures. Right. However, if you you drive maybe about four miles from my house, you can see one. There's there's a castle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know it's it's a modern day castle. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, to to live in in England or or anywhere in the UK, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of this history that's there. Yeah, we you know, don't. And I just I've never been. I, I I it's on my bucket list. Oh yeah, you know, sure. to to go and visit and to spend some time and see these places, um, and, and more so than just the the paranormal stuff. It's just the history, um, and the magnitude of these castles and, and the things that were built before there was machinery and, yeah. you know, uh, heavy moving equipment and stuff like that. It's just, it's amazing. But so much, you know, blood, sweat, tears just went into these places that the energy is just almost got to be palpable when you, when you approach something like that. Right. And like you were saying, for the the amount of time, because here in the U.S., we don't have anything that's that old. Right. You know, there's there's nothing here still standing as far as large stone structures or buildings that has the age on it that anything in the U.K. or, you know, anywhere in Europe has. And so that alone brings a lot more activity to places there than we have here. Right. Just right. the amount of time that it's had to build that energy. Mm-hmm. So like Matt said, if you've ever been there, you know, hit us up, send us an email or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and let us know, you know, what you felt or what you experienced when you were there. Um, if you decide to go take a trip there after hearing this, you know, get some pictures of the places that we've talked about the different areas in the castle and send them to us. Cause there's a lot of pictures online, but it would be cool to, you know, see firsthand from you guys what what it looks like there now. Yeah. And you, you can go online and take virtual tours of the castle and, and see what it looks like today. Um, and, and they're pretty neat. I, I, I know it's not the same, but, you know, if you're interested in looking at what some of these, there's tons, there's tons of pictures and, and videos mm-hmm. of it. And we'll put um, some up on the website yeah. along yeah, with we, this episode so yeah so you kind of get an idea of what we're what we're talking about right while you're on there checking out the pictures and stuff on our website from this episode and you can also order you some merch uh, we've yeah. got links on our website to the t public website so that you can just click on that and hop on over and get yourself a shirt or some pillows or anything like that i saw the first pillow, actually, uh, last week, I actually yeah. ordered one, and that looks awesome, man. Yeah. I almost stole it. Yep. Um, it almost went in my luggage to come back with me, but <laughs> I, I felt like I'd get my butt beat for doing that, so yeah. I, I didn't. And remember, there we have two two logos mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. site. You can get um, the the Graveyard Tales Crossbone logo, which right. is which is really cool, and it looks awesome on my coffee mug. Yeah. Or you can get the the graveyard tales, you know, bloody scrawl, right? Um, which I'm looking at right now on uh, on Adam's tumbler mug, yeah, buddy, um, sitting across here. It really looks cool. So if if you're a fan of the show and you like the logo, uh, get you some swag. You know, you can you can get you can get a sticker for you know just a few bucks, right? Um, you know, all the way up to laptop cases and travel coffee mugs yeah, and get you an iphone case get and, you an iphone case with it, our logo on it. if you if you got a baby <laughs> there's even onesies you can go get you a onesie with graveyard tails bones logo on it all right 
I, I'm I'm putting it out there right now. If if you've got a child, if you're listening to this show, and you got a child, I I want I want to see a child in a graveyard tales onesie. Heck yeah, man! I mean, I just you don't you don't got to you don't got to include the head. Yeah, you know, if you're like me, you know, you're kind of like getting nervous about posting pictures of your children. You know, just I just want to see it. I just want to see that you've got a onesie on your child. It's just graveyard tales on it. That would be amazing to that me. That kid will have a <laughs> amazing reputation for the rest of their life if yeah, you do that. Absolutely. We, our logo is a reputation builder. <laughs> Start your kids off right. Yeah. Uh, if you got older it. kids, we have kid size shirts as well, uh, youth sizes, as they say. Yeah. Um, and big and tall sizes and all that stuff. Another thing to do while you're on the inter- interwebs is if you feel like it, please go over to iTunes and give us a rating if you haven't. That really helps us out, helps us grow the graveyard, helps us climb the charts uh, on iTunes so that people can find us easier. Um, And along with that, tell people about us. Um, We've gotten a lot of people that tell us that they have heard about us from a friend, and that's amazing. That's the best way to get people in the graveyard and grow us is to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, tell people that you like listening to two idiots sitting here talking about haunted (laughs) stuff um, and that they might like it too. So tell them about it and get them listening. Right. Right. And we appreciate all of you listening. And uh, I think for this episode of Chillingham Castle, I think it's a wrap. Yep. That's a wrap. So we're going to be chilling. Y'all be chilling too. We'll see y'all next week.